feel I should say something while John's being equipped uh, with all that's necessary uh, to deliver his sermon this morning. Um, but we'll pray for him as well, so that not only does he get the microphone in the right place, but also the spirit falls upon him. <laughs> that's Drew's idea, isn't it? Drew's asked me all to right. test it out. All right. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, Lord, as we've been reminding ourselves this morning, Father, through testimony and through uh, the decla declaration of various in individuals that have come and spoken this morning. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are assured that you uh, will fulfill your promise to be with us. And we want to pray again, Father, for the evidence of that in all that John does now. Lord, in giving the word that's on his heart that you have forgiven to him to share with us. And Father, we pray, though, that by the Spirit, Lord, it will go from his mouth into our hearts and our minds. Lord, and it will fulfill the purpose of which was behind it, which was your intent when you gave it to him. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that you will now encourage us all and bless us all, and especially John, as he speaks this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Alan. Good morning. Um, so my, my sermon title this morning is From Crisis to Where Christ Is. And uh, uh, thanks, Drew. Uh, no, I've just, I just got a, an encouragement and, um, with, for us. And it's in Zechariah chapter 3. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, if you want to follow it through, uh, I'm not going to be long. Um, hoping to just really just share briefly this amazing uh, chapter. It's chapter, uh, say chapter three. I'm just going to read it, and then we can just, I uh, just want to just pull out some things that I really feel the Lord wants to en encourage us with this morning. And so it starts here in chapter three, verse one. Uh, and uh, basically, Zechariah, uh, um, the, the prophet, has had these dreams. And they're very kind of, with, with a lot of these dreams, they're kind of like my dreams anyway. They're kind of, often they're a bit weird. You know, they're all over the place. You're in, in one of these dreams, he has, he has a, a vision of a flying scroll that goes around judging people and things like this. Whereas this dream is actually quite normal. And, um, and so I'm going to read it. It says, he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let, him put, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the, and the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. And it, it goes on, but we won't be going into that this morning. But um, incredible. And this, uh, just to give a bit of background, this is not Joshua that we might know of from Moses and Joshua. 
This isn't the same Joshua, it's another Joshua. And the time period was when the children of Israel had just come back from captivity. And they come back to Jerusalem and their task was to rebuild the temple. And in Zechariah, the prophet there is complaining to them, not in this passage, but he's saying, you know, you're building your houses, but you've left the temple um, broken down. And, you know, you need, to, you need to get on top of that. You need to build that. And in the midst of that, we, in this book, we see two people. We see this high priest, the first high priest after the captivity, Joshua, and then Zerubbabel, I think his name is, um, who was the governor of that region and, and so the book. So in here he's talking to this Joshua who's the high priest and for our sense of purposes he represents a couple of things. He represents the Israelites, the, the children of Israel. It's one representation. The other representation is he represents me and he represents you. And he, so he, we need to put ourselves wherever Joshua is mentioned, okay? Um, it's very important. And so we see this... Um, Wherever it is, um, we don't know, but maybe it's up in heaven. There we stand, or Joshua's standing before the angel of the Lord, and sometimes the angel of the Lord is a reference to Christ. So imagine we're standing before Christ, and it says, and Satan, and Satan means the accuser, um, comes along, and he starts to accuse him. And, uh, and he says this, and the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Um, is not this a brand or a burning stick plucked from the fire? And so, and this is my first thing that just drew me to this, is that there is an accuser, isn't there? I tell you what, if you stood up, or maybe as some were going to stand up and share a word this morning, a testimony, something would have entered your mind to try to persuade you not to. Or you want to step up and stand, be, you know, and say, Lord, I want to be used to you. Something will come into your mind to tell you that you're not able to. You're not good enough. And here this, this guy, Josh, uh, Joshua, it says, Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. Now, this is the gospel in here, isn't it? We come before God in our filthiness, in our sin, in our filthy garments. That's how we arrive before God. We don't wait until we're clean before we come to God. Romans says, isn't it? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. You know, we stand before God in all of our muck, all of our self-righteousness, all of our so-called good works, and it is like filthiness. As Paul said, it is like dung. You know, nothing that we have, it's just filthiness. And so the enemy's got ammunition, like, I mean, he will say things that we know are true. He will look at us and say, how can you call yourself a Christian when I know exactly what you said or what you did and how you acted to that person? So maybe when Debbie was talking about waking up this morning or whenever it was, like, I'm not feeling a nice person. Well, I bet she has something there is. No, you're not, are you? The accuser of the brethren is, another, is the name of Satan. It literally means, Satan means the accuser. And he comes, and we don't, again, don't know where this is, where this situation is, but it's a dream that Zechariah has. But we have an accuser. And a lot of what he says about us is right. He's maybe he's just saying to you, you're a sinner. You know what you did? I, knew, I saw you growing up when Sarah was in her rebellious age, if that ever existed, you know, 
You know, when Esme was a young, was a young lady at school, man alive, smoking behind the bike sheds. I don't know, was she? No. Um, but the, the accuser has ammunition. He knows. He knows exactly what we're like. You know, and that's the reality of it. And the point is, is that in this whole passage, Joshua says absolutely nothing. Have you noticed when we read that? He did not say a word. Who speaks? He says, and the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Our defender, our advocate, these are all words for Christ. He's our defender. I tell you what, the, the enemy accuses you. You do not have to defend yourself. Do you know it says nowhere in the Bible, I rebuke you, Satan. It does not say it in the Bible. I've heard people teach people to do that. You just say, I rebuke you, Satan. That's not biblical. Even Michael the archangel in Jude said, he said and it says this, he said, he did not rebuke him himself, but he said, the Lord rebuke you over the body of Moses. And even here, the Lord says, this is weird, isn't it? This is, this is Trinity in action. The Lord said, the Lord rebuke you. Because although Satan is defeated, and although he is in Christ under our feet, he is not someone to meddle with in our humanity. Only in Christ, and we can say, the Lord rebuke you. In fact, James says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We don't have to rebuke the devil. We resist the devil. We say, no, I'm not having that. If anyone, this one thing I remember from Mr. North, if anyone remembers this all, uh, my dad would do an impression of him, he'd say, get off. I don't know what that was. I just, does anyone remember that? Get off. Get out. No. Um, but we have our defender, and this is the thing that just wanted, I just really, really wanted to encourage us, is that, yes, we will have accusations left, right, and center. And as I was saying to Charity just before the meeting, Whenever we say, you know, oh, I don't know if I could speak, the enemy will be right there saying, no, you can't, can you? And what are you going to do about it? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so what do you do? You get up and share testimony, eh? <laughs> you know? The Lord rebuke you. Is not the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem or chosen Veronica or chosen Emma rebuke you? says, is this not a burning stick from the fire? In other words, we were all, if we're a believer, a Christian this morning, we are but sticks, burning sticks rescued from the fire. The fire of hell and damnation, literally. Are we not? He reached into the flames and pulled out Marcus. That's, are we aware of this is what, this is, this is the truth, isn't it? From crisis to where Christ is. I'm going to get it in there. <laughs> and then we see, now Joshua's standing before they clothed with filthy garments. The sin of our lives, we come to the Lord in absolute filth. And the angel said to those who are standing for him, remove the filthy garments from him. Behold, I've taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. That's the gospel, isn't it? Again. You know, we come to God in absolute fear. We come in everything that we have. We're not, as Christians, should ever say to anyone, you've got to get yourself right. I know we all know this. Get yourself right before you come to the Lord. There's no way we can do that anyway. 
Anyone can come to the Lord, no matter what they think or feel or identify about themselves, everyone's got to come to the Lord as they are. And we've got to facilitate that, haven't we? But when they come to the Lord, then the Lord deals with their sin, just as the Lord deals and has dealt and deals and continues to deal with my sin, if we look at it in that sense, you know. Um, but he says this, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And again, we can look in the New Testament, look at the wedding feast, and where the guy turns up at the wedding feast and he's not wearing his wedding garment because they would give out the garments and then he gets thrown out. He says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We've got to get rid of our old filthy garments and we need to wear, it says, put on Christ, put off the old man, put on Christ. Yeah, you can see this, this is all in the New Testament, isn't it? But we have to have this um, awareness that we have iniquity to be taken away. And we've got to be aware that we can't keep it. Haven't we? I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning. Um, because there is, I was saying this to someone recently, and this was a challenge to me. Do you know there's a word I haven't heard a lot of for a long time, and it's the word repent. It just occurred to me, when was the last time someone either said, Lord, I repent from my sin. I hate it. I've got to turn full circle and walk away from it. I hate sin. Because the Spirit, that's what the Spirit should do. It should make us sin, um, and I always say this word wrong, an anathema. Is that the word? I don't want it. I've got to get these clothes off. I've got to get this filthiness off of me because I want to live in the pureness of the Lord, to hate sin, to repent, to have a, a mindset, a heart of repentance, always turning away from sin and the temptation of sin, what the, what the world would always put on us. And it goes on, it says, they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with the garments. They clothed him in the clothing of a priest. So he came with all his filthy garments. He wasn't wearing the right attire for the purpose in which he was chosen for. See, God always gives us what we need for what he's chosen us to do. Um, but if we continue to live and dress in the way in which we were, how will we ever fulfill the purpose that God has called us to? And the angel of Lord, and, and this is a, a lovely phrase, and the angel of the Lord, so let me put it this way, and Christ solemnly assured Joshua. You know, solemn, solemnly is this sense of, now seriously, right? Jokes aside, formal, serious, right? I'm going to, no joking, Betty. Don't laugh. So solemnly assure you. I'm being serious now, right? This is what he says. If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Right? God's being serious. You, you've got the right of access right into the throne room as a, as a minister 
of God. Now, you're probably thinking, I'm talking about priests. Now, we see 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we are a kingdom of priests. We have the right of access. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us boldly approach the throne of grace. Yeah, because we have a high priest who has made the way for us. But we are, we are not high priests, we are priests, a kingdom of priests. We have access. But he says, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge. You know, the Bible is full of ifs. If I could rename Hebrews, it would be this. If you continue in the faith. You go and have a look and you see how many times he said, if you continue in the faith. If you walk in my ways, absolute act. If you don't, you cannot. And so, let me just bring this to a close, because, you know, again, this is just an encouragement. I don't want to be too long. God is calling us to minister, and the accuser of the brethren is already telling people that they can't. That's the point at the very beginning. You are called to charity. Sorry, I'm going to... I like the way you parted. <laughs> Doreen has called you, hasn't he, to minister before the king. Amen? And already the enemies can say, really? Maybe the enemy's saying, who? Who? This person? This John Watson? And the Lord's saying, he's a brand I put my hand into the fire and I pulled him out. Yes, him. Amen? That's, that's the first thing. It's like God is calling us and we've got to, got to be aware, you know, um, and we've we got to be aware that Satan is wanting to rob us of all these opportunities. We need to be aware that we're going to hear every reason why we shouldn't because we, and we will feel like it's coming from us. I can't do this. It's, I'm not good enough. How will people respond to me? All these kind of things. And it's just the enemy poking away, accusing us, saying we're not good enough, we can't do it. Um, uh, Spurgeon said this, he said this, uh, uh, I would sooner have Satan as an an adversary than a friend. And what he means is this is, I'd rather Satan be on my back than walking by my side. Yeah? So if he's on your back, if you feel that, you know you're, <laughs> you're in it. You're, you're on track. You know, it's when we have, when was the last time, you know, we talk about suffering, Teresa, when was the last time you suffered? And you're, tr- and you're just walking along with the, you know, as just, I want to just try and get my words together. This, what's going on in Teresa's life is the Christian life. Full of suffering and full of perseverance and the blessing of the Lord along the way. Now, if I think about me, I don't suffer enough. And I'm not saying we look for suffering, but what I'm saying is this, because some of you are looking at me really weird. We don't look for, for bad things, but sometimes it's because we're walking in our comfort area, and we need to step out, or the Lord needs to push us out of our comfort area. But anyway, I'll leave that with you for you to chew on. When the enemy attacks, it's an encouraging sign, but Jesus is our defender. He's fighting for us. He is standing, Romans chapter 8 says, you know, so what do we say about this? If God be for us, who can be against us? Even Christ who died for us and is seated at the right hand of God who intercedes for us. Who can bring, oh, almost had the whole thing then, Terry. Um, 
Who could bring a charge against God's elect? Come on, Joe, help me out. Yeah, I've done that bit. You can't, you can't say the bit I've just said. Um, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. A bit before that, it says in verse 27 about the Spirit. The Spirit intercedes for the saints. So we've got the Spirit and Christ interceding for us. And then it goes on. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall um, tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, danger and sword? Um, you can read that, Romans chapter 8. Because Christ is our defender. You know, he's for us. He's fighting for us. We just need to know when the enemy's speaking. We don't even have to rebuke him. We just have to resist him. Amen? So from crisis to where Christ is, he's right by our side defending us. Amen, Drew? That's what you meant to say earlier, wasn't it? Yes. Anyway, I'm going to leave that with you and pray. Um, and I just encourage you, you know, um, I think the Lord may call you and me into doing some things that we wouldn't readily do. And the enemy will be there to tell us how we shouldn't do it. And we will be inclined to agree with him. But we need to, to resist him. And we need to say, no, the Lord is fighting for me because he's wanting to bring me, like Joshua, into this whole new place of ministry. Amen? Shall I pray? I don't know if... Uh, do you want to do it? No? Uh, shall I pray? No, and then close? Okay. Father, just thank you. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you, Lord, that that passage was written way before Christ was born. But yet it speaks of Christ. It speaks of your devotion, dedication to your people. Lord, not only just going to the cross, Lord, of cleansing us and washing us from our filthy garments, giving us a new life in new garments, Lord, and positioning us in a place where the enemy can't touch us. Lord, he can only accuse, but yet you fight for us. Lord, may we take that encouragement this morning, whatever we're going through, to know, Lord, that you do fight for us, though we don't understand or we don't know what's coming next, but Lord, you are by our side. You are for us. Lord, and who can be against us if you're for us? So we just pray, Lord, all these testimonies, all that we've heard from you through these testimonies, Lord, wonderful stories where your, your, your life is being lived out, Lord. And we do pray for Teresa. We pray for Betty and uh, Nikki and others, Lord, that particularly with physical struggles, but also those burdens that we carry. Lord, those struggles, Lord, that are more than physical. Father, we, get, we ask you to come and touch and minister and do miracles in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we'll have some tea and coffee. If someone wants to go and put the coffee on, it's all ready. Um, and just to maybe a couple of little notices. There's no prayer tonight over August. Um, and if you're going to MLG, if you could, and you want to put stuff on the van, if you can do that uh, by Thursday and just put it in the back hall, uh, preferably on Thursday, because I'm not too sure what's going in the hall up to Thursday. Um, but if you could do that on Thursday, if that's possible. Um, and any help on Friday, we'll put a message out to help um, put stuff on the van. That'd be great. And for, for all of us, really, it'd be really good if you can find some time to pray for the conference. Um, it'd be really good just to seek God that the Lord would do great and mighty things. Amen. I think that's, I think that's it.
Yeah. Well, there's one other thing. If you're oh. not going to the conference, <laughs> we're meeting next week, and naturally there'll be fewer of us. Um, so I just want to give you some exhortation to come with a hymn or a psalm mm. or a word or of encouragement. You know, you can take Drew's word as an example. Uh, you know, something along those lines that leads us and takes us into that place where we discover what God wants to do with, do with us. So if you are coming next week, please come with something. Uh, otherwise, it will be a very short meeting. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is one other thing. John is performing with his band up at Elm Park South today at 4 o'clock. There's other bands. It's part of Parks Fest, so um, the Celtic Hearts will be doing their thing. So if you're free around that time, that's a good time because it won't be as hot. Well, one hopes. Anyway, let's have some tea and coffee.